Hello, and welcome to The Dreadclaw. Uh, to the Dreadclaw, and today I am joined by the um, two stalwarts of the hobby, uh, Matt Smith, Swift, sorry, uh, I, I, I made a mistake straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time, won't be the last, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, uh, Dan Porter from Fosfex Party. What ho, Stout Yeoman, how are we this evening? <laughs> I'm pretty good, yourself? Uh, just, yeah, we were just saying before we came on, just got back from work, Um I've eaten, so everything's fine with the world at the moment. Ah, good. Yeah, yeah. important to eat. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, awesome. So uh, what we're going to do tonight is, because uh, obviously our main show uh, was dram-packed, because you obviously had the Weekender and then um, and then the FAQ, and we just had no room for Adeptus Titanicus, so we thought we'd uh, do a little, little dread claw with it uh, in, and I, I brought in two uh, phenomenal people to help me talk about it. So That's very kind of you. Yeah, so I think... Flattery gets um, you everywhere. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so, um, right. So, I mean, what? Uh, so, you were you you guys were both at the weekender, weren't you? Yes. Well, I was. Oh, yeah. Did I? I can't remember if I saw you there, Matt. To be honest, uh, I was there. Um, oh, okay. I'm usually, fair notable. I'm six foot tall with a large beard, but then again, in the hobby crowd, that's not usually dissimilar to ninety percent of the rest of the people. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I was uh, mostly there representing Crusade and Heresy on the front row for a large portion of it until we got kicked uh, out repeatedly. Oh. Oh, sad times. Yeah, uh, but uh, you've got to no, give everyone right, got to give everyone else a chance, eh? <laughs> well, somehow Lex Head continued to manage to make it to the front. I'm not quite sure how he manages this. I think he bribes people with pizza, yeah, and gin and tonics, bri- but, uh... bribes and shills. That's what it is. That's there how we does go. It. I, I have actually bribed someone at a gaming convention to let me in first to get to the front. <laughs> and it was, was there the a limited food. edition model by you, any chance? You've just said that on a national podcast, Michael. You know, I, I, mean, I hope that it's not legally actionable. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It was just to get into a seminar so I could get on the front row. It was one of my uh-huh. favorite artists. So fair enough. Uh, I, I, and the only thing it got me was a uh, a, a signed picture that he drew in the seminar. <laughs> as as um, as corruption goes, that's not that bad, is it? Really. No, no, no. It's not. We're not talking a Silvio Berlusconi scale of corruption here. No, it no. seems, seems easy to up your game. I think next time. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're going to go to prison for embezzlement, you might as well be for millions. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Sentence is the same either way. So yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> may as well be a rich man on the way out. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, anyway. <laughs> okay. So um, aside from talking about our crimes, uh, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's go through. So um, the first thing that came up sort of in the past month was uh, uh, a painting guide for Dr. Titanicus, which was for Legio Ataris. They're in, um, they are in Titan Death, aren't they? I, I've literally just looked at this the other day. Uh, so. Yes, I believe they are. Yeah, yeah, Firebrand, yeah. They're in, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know about they you like guys. things on fire with missiles. That's, yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, what better, what other things which you set on fire with? Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but um, certainly with the stuff I've done for the 30k channel, um, we find it is people seem to be struggling quite a lot with a lot of the paint schemes, or certainly the color schemes. Um, that I, I, I could be wrong, but I feel that's one of the reasons why Mortis is so popular because it's relatively straightforward colors. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that might be the case because uh, I've seen a lot of Graphonicus and a lot of Mortis. Yeah. Um, 
Furions as well are quite popular. It's a kind of fairly basic yellow and black scheme. Um, yeah. Flames think... are... Kudos to anybody who can pull the flames off. Yes. Yeah. Oh, um... definitely. That's... that's... Look, making it look good is way beyond my skill. I've not yet risked challenging mine yet, though. I have penciled them on on a few Titans, so I've got a baseline to work from because I'm not freehanding uh, them entirely. No, no, don't do that. Therein lies madness, I feel. Yes, yes, exactly. But uh, it'd be nice if we got a few more painting guys from uh, Warhammer TV because then we might see a few more Legios. Yeah. I think I think they'll come, especially for um, the ones covered in Titan Death, anything that kind of has a a solid name and a, a few rules to it. I think they'll probably get around to in the near future. Um, the one I'm interested to see most, I think, is probably Krytos. Um, you know, yeah. A good friend of mine um, and co-host on Fossex Party, uh, Spencer's doing uh, Krytos. Um, he's been scratching his head for, I guess, weeks now, trying to figure out how to get that kind of jade slash mint kind of green. Well, this thing yeah, is, I was uh... speaking to Luke Blick about them because he's the one who did the, the digital art for it um, mm. at the Weekender, and it's it's actually more of a grey than people give it credit for. <laughs> um, it's sort of like a, a German army grey-green rather than a, a kind of a vivid green. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I did suggest that to Spencer, but he looked at me like I'd gone mad. But yeah, oh, I, I could see that. Uh, Sorry, I, Spencer. <laughs> I'd probably go down the um, Sunder Horus style green. Yeah, uh, and do you know, you, you, we were rehashing the conversation I've had with Spencer over the last few weeks. <laughs> so I've got, um, before Forge World D discontinued it, I've still got a pot of Sons of Horus and the Looper Cow Green. And I think Spencer's kind of got his eye on the Looper Cow. Which one's the lighter one? Is it the Sons of Horus one? Uh, Sons of Horus one, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. he's got his eye on that. Interestingly, I don't know if either of you saw this at the weekender. Did you oh, see yeah, the... They... They the had painting the painting sheets. Guys, yeah. Yeah. And it was in suspiciously shaped like a, a Citadel paint pot. So we were kind of rampantly kind of speculating that it might be released as a, a, for, a Citadel color. Well, yes. Tony did say at the, um, the open day, was it the open day? Or it might have been on Warhammer TV a while back that, you know, when they first developed the the, the airbrush range, mm. they didn't know that Citadel was doing the, the exact same thing with the main range. That's crazy, isn't it? A company with two sides that doesn't talk to yeah. each other. And then they were like, it's, pro it's possible that in the future some of the colours that aren't represented in the in the main range um, might get might get pulled into that. So he, he's used the, um, the... Was it Angron Red? The... Angron Red was the clear one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah which, which currently as... goes for silly money on heresy trading and eBay and all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. I think he used that as an example of a colour that might go over. So it'd be okay. nice to see some more. Definitely yeah. be nice to see that some of those colours get added because I think the Tamiya one is nice, but it is very smelly. It's <laughs> it's a it's a tricky thing to work with that, isn't it? It's quite I don't know. It always smells like it's really toxic, even if it isn't. Um, I'm pretty sure it is pretty toxic. Okay, there we go. That's probably why it smells <laughs> so bad then. Um, because they do say wear an wear a, a face mask when using it. Wow. Okay. Maybe I won't use that again. <laughs> <laughs> or at least don't do it by brush and then lick the brush. Uh, ab yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just wonder why my tongue's gone funny colour. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I t it's, it's quite interesting to say with the paint schemes. It's um, I, I think a lot, of, in my experience, certainly a lot of people in our local area, they're holding off until they've got a really clear idea of how they're going to paint their stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite interesting. Of, Chris, one of my co-hosts, is having the same sort of issue he, he sort of wanted to do this dragon scale scheme but he keeps changing his mind over the colors and mm. how he's going to do it but uh I, I, yeah definitely seen a lot more you know vacillation when people are thinking of their color schemes 
in Titanicus than I've seen in anything else. Yeah. I think it's because you've got more of a free hand. Yeah, it's it's like they say, it's like too much freedom can be uh, debilitating, can't it? It can paralyse you. Yeah, like Take in Heresy, the there's, there's only so much set colour schemes. and. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. It's... I think for the for Titanicus, you got uh, kind of go a bit both, really. You have that kind of paralysis of choice of an existing Legio, but also because the number of Titan Legios that were around in the Heresy were vast by comparison to now, doing a homebrew Legio and actually going down your own painting route is a lot more viable than perhaps a lot of people have realised so far. Um, and yeah. I think we'll start to see that come out through the narrative supplements as they come through. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's what I did for mine. Mine are effectively uh, the Griffonicus rules-wise, but it's my own paint scheme. Mm. Um, and I've just picked Griffonicus. Why did I pick Griffonicus? Oh, I picked Griffonicus because... Uh, in the background of the stuff I wrote for mine, they kind of live on a, I think Pacific Rim. They're kind of like monster hunters. They oh, nice. Gone, gone they full hunt. Jaeger. Yeah, kind of that kind of thing. So, and the and the paint scheme is kind of like uh, a dark sea green, but with white at the top. So the idea is they're supposed to look like tidal um, tsunamis, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, yeah. So I, I take your point though, Matt. It's like actually, I think if you can get your head round. Uh, a decent paint scheme for it and i think it's different challenge obviously a very different challenge to painting something like a space marine or even a tank um you think about the scale you gotta get the scale right um and you know some some things that work on a 28 mil model in terms of weathering don't work on a titan because it just looks wrong you think well actually that would be like a you know like a 10 meter long scar so what yeah. causes a 10 meter long scar sort of thing mm. Yeah, definitely. It's just, if you're doing scratches, it's got to be kept small and. Yeah, it's you've got to get that scale right, and I think um, I, I'm quite. It, I mean, it's not surprising really because there's lots of really talented modelers and painters out there. But I've always I've been immensely impressed with some of the stuff I've seen produced on, on um, Adeptus Titanicus page on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so we've been having a series on Warhammer Community um, Wisdom of the Grand Master. Um, have you guys been keeping up with that? I've watched a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, I read the, the Warhound one in particular. Um, I'm using Venator Manapal at the moment for my own game, so getting that kind of slightly more detail about how squadrons work and how to get the most out of them was quite uh, quite useful for me. Yeah, yeah. So what have we had since now? I think we've had three parts since last time I spoke about this. Yeah, so we've had three parts. So we've had... One part on the 22nd of January, that was building battle groups. Um, looked at the benefits each Titan gave. Um, then there was one on squadrons of Warhounds, um, pack tactics. Yep. And then one which was merging Void Shields, which was something I completely missed over when I read the rules. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I know a lot of people picked up on it. Personally, I think the unless you've got the ability to merge it across... Um, like some of the special rules in Titan Death give you across different sizes of Titans, I think it can be a bit of a trap for Warhounds to use it or lean on it too much as a crutch. Because actually what you want is you want your Warhounds kind of like... It's like cockroaches when the lights go on. You know, they want them all off to the four corners, don't you really? And kind yeah, of get, get the speed to get into the flanks. I found great success sort of trying to flank things mm. rather than trying to stay together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the threat comes from being in two places at once, which obviously a Warlord Titan or a Reaver can't do as easily. Yeah, and equally it's important to remember with the squadron rules that even if they 
aren't in base to base share shields, you still get the benefit to the arm penetration rolls. Yeah. If you're targeting the same model. Yeah. So it really does reinforce that kind of hammer and anvil style multi directional attacks. Yeah, definitely. Um, using using the Warhound squadrons. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, actually, it's thirty k players. It's one of the things that people, you know, it's that it's one of those key deciding differences between like seventh edition and eighth edition, isn't it? Or you know, Horus Heresy and eighth edition. If you think about it in terms of facing on tanks, this just takes it to the next level and really makes you think in that kind of three dimensional space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, you get a lot more. Um, it's a lot more of a thinky game. Oh, yeah. definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's like um, Star Star Trek 3D ch- chess for me. <laughs> yeah, Star yeah Star Trek 3D chess. It was a, yeah. Uh, I, I tried that at a convention once. Oh yeah. Ooh, I couldn't get the rules. <laughs> I think I can honestly say I've never played it. I'm just drawing that as a metaphor. Yeah, I, I'd love a set just to keep in my living room, but you know, just the a decoration decoration on the coffee table, bit of exactly. a conversation piece. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's a very, very, you know, it's a, it's a, Titanicus is a hugely more um, thinking game. Um, and I definitely had a lot more analysis paralysis in it. <laughs> do you spend a lot of time at the start of your, in your strategy phase wondering what you're going to do first? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, um, what, what do I act? What, what am I going to activate in the, in, in the long run? Where are they going to go? But what if he activates this? And it's, yeah. uh, I think that's that's an interesting point, actually, Michael. Because if you watch a lot of people who've maybe played like one or two games, they they miss the how formative the decisions in the strategy phase can be for the rest of that turn. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you kind of get the classic right. I'm going on first fire because that means I can fire again. I think, oh, hang on a minute, I've just I've just stranded myself facing into the middle of nowhere, and everybody I wanted to shoot at's run off because I didn't because I did that first, and then they all knew what I was going to do. So I think it's quite an interesting watching that learning curve for new players, um, realizing that all of a sudden it's not they can't just, it's not all about getting to the uh, combat phase or even the damage control phase. It's like actually you've got to start thinking from the second you start playing. Yeah, yeah there's, think... there's there's no downtime at all really in the thinking. No, no. no. So it's, it's probably the game that GW have produced so far that will most reward and punish strategic ordered thinking and mm. to, like actually having a plan going in. And roughly sticking to it as much as possible. All plans fall apart at some point, but oh, indeed, no plan survives you... contact with the enemy, does it? Exactly. No, or definitely not. Often, usually, my plans don't survive contact with my own dice, but that's another matter entirely. <laughs> um, but as, as you say about like the first fire orders, if you do that first, you've locked your Titan in; it can't do anything else. Whereas if yeah. you save that one for last and you give your knights charge orders, uh, even if there's no target immediately in front of you, mm. um, it kind of puts people on the back foot or a full stride order, so you've got some more movement. Um, yeah, it, you you can use it as quite a kind of psychological warfare weapon and almost kind of draw the opponent to where you want them for that warlord to then put on first fire. Oh yeah, absolutely. You always play your opponent as well as the army. That's what mm-hmm. I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. People forget that sometimes. Yeah, and I think that's what going back to the grandmaster wisdom of the grandmaster topics. I think that's more of what we'll start to see coming through those articles is kind of breaking down the game into those phases we've seen kind of specific areas like the what the different titans are good at and how to do squadroning and um the pack tactic side but i think we'll start to see more or i'd like i'd like to see more of that kind of this is how you should approach the strategy phase from a mindset point of view and giving kind of new players advice on how to get into the game properly rather than just kind of throwing titans at each other oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely because it, it, it could be very easy to make a very end up with a really boring game of adeptus titanicus if 
you're both quite new to the game and you and you've not quite made those intellectual leaps to the next steps and think hang on a second if i do x y and z because it looks it can look quite static i remember i don't know about you guys but certainly the first game i played with like the kind of the grand master box just felt like um two kind of like old style imperial guard armies just blazing away to each other until trying to make the other side die as quickly as possible yeah mm, i mean that that four inch move on the warlord sort of makes it sort of very um very sandy still you know almost like a still artillery platform at first but it's when you got all the extra titans coming in that it really yeah. came alive yeah I, I mean i i mean it's it's kind of like past history now, but on reflection, I get why they did it. But the Grand Master set, I don't think, was the greatest introduction to the game. I think there's a criticism that's quite often leveled against it. Um, and having kind of seen it in review, we've seen the battle group come out now. Mm. And the, the, the Grand Master set was always billed as being a kind of high level, this is the big bad, I want to buy into this game in a big way sort of kit, rather than sure. a starter set. Yeah. And I think it kind of rewarded you for thinking along those lines of I'm going to want at least two warlords, <laughs> six knights, and some terrain, yeah, uh, to play with. But as you say, as a starter set or a, an entry level to to Titanicus, I think it was definitely flawed. But I'm not sure that's the thinking they had releasing it. I know, and, and they were, the hands were tied by the release schedule as well. They can't release everything on day one, I suppose. Can they? Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, yeah, because then you lose momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, that's another criticism that's been, I think, very unfairly laid at, at the door of Titanicus. I mean, we've had all three of the kind of core Titans. We've had at least one terrain set with a second one coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the release schedule has been fairly intense so far. Oh, I, I mean, interestingly enough, you know, what we've been talking about um, locally about the Heresy Weekend, I thought the Titanicus and the Necromunda stuff was the standout impressive things. Do you, I got the, do you know what I mean? I felt like... Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, they felt like they they'd really got the impetus that everybody conveyed the enthusiasm they had for the for the game and for the releases and stuff like that. It felt like that was a a, a properly polished, well thought out uh, set of releases. Um, definitely, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I definitely and, agree know, there. Uh, and, and I think that, that that's all to the credit to the people who've been involved in it so far and involved in it going forward. I think it's uh, an exemplar. I think I think we'd all like to think of. Uh, Forge World and GW releasing stuff like that for our for other games that we play. I think. Yeah, I think they kind of learned from Blood Bowl. You know, you don't leave it too long before you get something out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and again, there, there are mitigating factors even on the Blood Bowl schedule, and they're tied into the Citadel release schedule as a, as a wider method of release. So if uh, if things change in the core games that require a, an early release window, then strategy, uh, specialist games can get pushed back to, to compensate for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, and to be honest, I don't. I honestly don't think they expected Blood Bowl to be the success it was going to be. No, but without it, we wouldn't have Necromunda and Titanicus in the forms we do. So uh, Ab- uh, Absolutely the good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God bless us for serendipity, eh? I, yeah. I was going to go with hobbyists with very little impulse control. It, <laughs> Well, there is that. There is that. Of which I count myself as one, just so the community don't think I'm having a go at them. Yeah, I definitely put myself in that category as well. I mean, I bought a lot of the Blood Bowl stuff when it first came out, so... Um, uh, you see, now, I, I have to freely admit, I can't play Blood Bowl because it, it would give me an aneurysm. 
it's it's the one game I can everything else uh, uh, you know hopefully hopefully people who play me on a regular basis would freely admit oh you know Dan's a chill kind of guy I can't play Blood Bowl for about half an hour without wanting to flip the table over I just find it intensely frustrating do you always roll ones on your go for it I just uh, the number of people who've broken their necks tripping over some a lump of grass <laughs> honestly it, uh, yeah so I, I tend to avoid Blood Bowl because it's it's um, it's the kind of thing that is, doesn't make me a nice person I'm not a nice person when I play Blood Bowl. Well, I avoid it. There's something for everyone. There's, there's something different for everyone. You, if we all like the same things, it'd be a very boring world. Absolutely, wouldn't it? absolutely. I mean, I'm terrible at Blood Bowl as well. I mean, uh, uh, I played a game a few weeks ago, and my opponent um, lost eight orcs um, to um, to simple injuries, and I was playing humans. So, ouch. Mm, that's not pleasant time for anybody, is it? I still lost. <laughs> yeah, even though he's down to four four orcs, but they were four um, black orcs, so cool. that that'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, excellent. Um, yeah. So um, and then also we had this month. We had a um, we had a new mana pull in White Dwarf. Oh yes. Um, do you know what I haven't? I. Um... I don't subscribe to White Dwarf, so I haven't seen this in detail yet. I've only seen sort of like uh, screenshots that people have taken of it. Ah, yeah, it's a uh, it's the Dominus Battle Force Manipul, and it's got a Warlord Titan, two Reavers, and one Questorus or Serastus Knight banner. Okay. Uh, you've then got the option of adding two Warlord, sorry, two um, Warhounds. I put Warlords in my notes here. Um, add another Questorus or Serastus Knight banner, so it's pretty similar. Uh, to the Axiom, except the Knights are part of the Maniple. That makes yeah, a big old Maniple, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. essentially kind of Axiom Plus. Um, depending yeah, on Warget, the, you can that... just about squeeze it into 1750. Yeah, that's a good that's a good description of it. Um, and basically, the um, uh, you, you, you're running the Knights as interference for the Maniple, so, mm. um, but it's at the cost of their own cover. So the Knights are like sacrificial lambs, as it were. Ablative wounds. Yes, yeah, basically, and um, and there's a sort of lookout sir role for the manipul with the knights taking the hits instead. You see, I quite like that idea because if you think about how knights are used in the current uh, game, they're kind of like a, a fire and forget missile, aren't they? Kind of mm. race at the board, going trying now they kill something or they get hit with a, a volcano cannon. It's good night Vienna. Um, <laughs> But it's quite interesting seeing how it's only when you read some of the books um, involving Titans, be it 40k or 30k, and you see the night how the night households are used. Uh, you could imagine being used as scout forces, as like I say in this case, as a kind of a buffer for the Titans. That's yeah, quite yeah, it's, a different it's, it's, kind of tactical approach to using them. Yeah, so the, the background behind is that they literally fit the tight the the night suits with Auspex bafflers. They have basically active disruption to the enemy targeting as they're running around, which is quite cool. Yeah, no, uh, that's great, that is. And it feels, it's got that um, realistic and odd thing to use when you're talking about giant god <laughs> engines stomping around, isn't it? But you know what I mean? It feels like a um, a reasonable interpretation of how they might be used, were they real? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And you've got, uh, and it, uh, it's... It's just a, another maniple to use, and it. It, it gives people, um, you know, a reason to do something other, with their knights other than just charge them forward. To... Well, I mean, that's it. It's a, you know, they are literally fire and forget at the moment. But um, yeah, having having something a bit more interesting to do with them 
and I think that's one of the things that Titanicus has been able to do quite well is uh, with, with all the different manipoles, especially now with Titan Death, we've we've got there's a lot more ways variety of of play styles available. Oh, now. definitely, yeah. I was, yeah. I was saying this. I had a game on Tuesday. I was discussing the kind of the depth of the game with my opponent at the time, and you've got eight manipoles, ten legio traits. Each of those legios has got three princeps traits of its own. You've then got the six core rulebook ones. Some of the manifolds lay to integrate knights properly. Some take them as auxiliaries. Like you, you can play the same manifold with different legios and have a different game. Let alone different manifolds and different legios as well. Mm. Um, and I think as the game matures, I think as we see things like Moloch come through and possibly have a few more manifolds, even the legio-specific ones that were hinted at um, in the fluff for one of the Titan Death box outs, there's a specific Mortis manifold name. Um, so we may start oh, to yeah, see. I saw, I saw some, that. Yeah, we may start to see some some even more kind of specific stuff coming out to to really refine the legios into um, quite unique forces, even above and beyond their current state, which is very cool. Mm. I mean, and that kind of variety, I think, is key to playing the game as well, isn't it? Because um, what you don't want. Um, I always find quite depressing is if you go to an event and you see like multiples of the same army for you know for any system you might play. Yeah, um, I was at I was at um, well not playing in, but I was helping out with a Warhammer tournament uh, at the weekend, at forty k that is, and um, it was um, yeah it was it was more competitive forty k, but it was very dull. So many lists were literally the exact same thing. How many yeah. Gullimans with ten Hellblasters were there? Uh, the word actually, it was a lot of smash, oh. captain, a lot of smash captains, uh, 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 and then and then thirty-two, um, you know, Astra Militarum and ah, uh, the loyal thirty-two. Yep, yeah, and three um, shield captains on bikes and yeah, all that. Yeah, kind I mean, of stuff. the fact that we can name these things, I, I find mildly depressing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but what I feel for, for Titanicus is there's already that uh, the interplay of all the variety that you've got. That there are no absolute kind of and to be honest i don't i don't get the feel that titanicus was ever intended to be a hyper competitive type game no 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 i don't think it is either and there's definitely there's so much variety in everything i mean you i mean i turn i i my first game was i think 200 point difference between the us i had the more points i still lost um, but uh, it's got the mechanisms to cope for that so it's like yeah, yeah exactly like yeah, asymmetrical yeah. games yeah. An, an asymmetrical games are much more realistic in terms of. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of the narrative missions specifically state that you will have a deficit, um, particularly yeah. if you're doing things like the last stand missions, things like that, where you're having to defend your last bit of uh, of war gear or whatever, or um, if you're going on the assault and you've literally thrown everything at the enemy, uh, you will have more points. I mean, that's just the way that war works by and yeah. large. Um, yeah. So seeing that reflected in the rules is, I think, exactly the route that they should be taking with it. So it's good to see. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's just, I think there's just so much potential for, for Titanicus. And um, I, you know what? I really can't wait to see linked events with uh, Age of Darkness games. Yes. I know there's a few coming up this year already, but yeah. I want to run one myself. But <laughs> well, it's, I, I, can't, I can't give you any advance notice, but I, I've had this conversation three times now with different sets of people who are all planning on wanting to do stuff this year. With, with that same thing in mind so we don't want to do some 30k gaming but also have some at gaming and give people the option to bring both if they want to yeah i mean for september company of legends i'm thinking of having at least one table just for adeptus titanicus and then if people bring there they can 
they can um, opt out of the main main games to play Titanicus for one game instead. And this is this is just a practical dad thing. It's actually quite easy to move a Titanicus army around. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to spend the same amount in sort of like KR cases or figures in comfort or whatever to, to, to accommodate all the models I've got. Yeah, you I can literally admit, fit two and a half thousand points on a baking tray and some magnets. Absolutely. Mine are kind of just thrown into a box at the minute. I, never, I didn't hear you say that. <laughs> I don't take I haven't taken care of very good care. But they're, they're all right. Um, but I'm not way. like I'm not like a, um, you know, a, 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 a big you know, an amazing painter. So, well, you see, it's all a scale thing. I mean, do you ever had that thing where you look back at stuff that you've painted maybe two, three years ago and think, Oh, do you know what? I could do it so much better now. Oh, definitely. Definitely. When I first got back into the hobby after, a, I think it was a 15 year gap. Um, you know, I, I was sort of like, how am I going to pick this up again? The paints are all different. It's a, you know, we had foundation paints. We didn't have any ink washes and, I've got no idea what I'm starting with. So I just, to, to get some on the table, it was just sort of like, um, I can't remember what it was called at the time, um, Macarite Red or something like that. Uh, and a purple wash to get a dark wash. And it's, I've got some of the models. I'm, you know, I, I've stripped some down the years and redone them. And then looking at it now, it's like, oh my God, that that is just awful. Yeah. yeah. You, you do get better. And I think that's, that's quite, that's an interesting thing actually. And, um, I, I, you can see that certainly some of the stuff I've seen uh, in Titanicus is I, I know people who have painted like 30k armies and some of their Titanicus stuff is like it's a real significant jump in quality. I mean, the stuff they did before was good, but Titanicus seems to have brought out the real the hobbyist in people, to be honest. Yeah, some of the competitions we've run on 8018 have had insane results going through mm. them. Yeah, um, I think it's down to the fact that you've got so few models you want to put in more effort. You know, yeah. you spend more time on a mo on a single model yeah, and back to dan's point about scale as well especially on things like the reaver carapaces where you haven't got much um decoration on them you've got so much free space same on the warlord shoulder pads it really allows you to go town with things like freehand so if you are a skilled painter that can make the most of that surface you can do some amazing artwork on it yeah mm. but equally it, it makes them quite beginner friendly as well because they are just large flat panels which means all you need is a very small edge highlight and yeah their tabletop yeah. quality yeah you so, can make a nice and neat paint job now, which, to be fair is, is kind of where i am I, I i do i do solid neat jobs that's it but i don't mm. do anything fancy or flash and as long as you've had fun doing it oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah for, for me it's as much about having a painted army on the table as anything i think yeah uh, it's a kind of respect thing for your opponent as well mm, yeah definitely. I, I definitely i i hate playing with unpainted stuff I was playing with my um, AOS corn stuff unpainted for ages and it just could never get around to painting it. And I had to push myself to do it recently and it's done now. So, but yeah. Well, it, it, you're, it, you're not a hobbyist if you haven't got a load of grey stuff somewhere. Uh, too much. The wife doesn't want me to do any more, buy any more for a while. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. shocking. I said that and then I accidentally bought a kill team on Tuesday. So, you're oh, a terrible you person, Matt. What did you buy? <laughs> Uh, Scions. Oh, very nice. Yeah, very nice. They are lovely models, aren't they? Yeah. Not that many um, of them. No, no, I've only got 10 to paint. So yeah. um, I, I made the mistake of reading Rachel Harrison's short stories last week um, for the Antari 11th and Severine Kane uh, uh, reign. Oh, yeah. Severina reign. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a, they've got their own attached Antarian stormtroopers called the Dusk Hounds. Um, and so 
therein lay, lay the story of me getting killed him. Um, yeah, and she's got. They, a, they have like painted got... dog masks on their helmet and glowing red eyes and black carapace armor, and it just kind of all lined up to going. Yes, that's going to be my kill team now. You know, you're going to have to get the actual model for her now, don't you? Already ordered. <laughs> <laughs> well, reserved, I should say, not ordered. One step ahead of you, there, Michael. <laughs> Yes, I, I kind of rapidly threw money at the problem and do not regret it in the slightest. No, no. <laughs> Enjoy it. That's what I say. Enjoy it. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, so shall we move on to um, talking about Titan Death itself? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So have you had anyone come through with Titan Death stuff for the channel yet then? Uh, no, we yeah. haven't. Um, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got, I think, we've got, I don't know, one, two, three, four, probably got about five games scheduled going forward at the moment the release schedule is one a month there's five games released on the channel uh, every month at the moment four of them are 30k games one AT game uh, that's current schedule although um what i'm expecting is we'll, we'll start to see um an explosion in the number of painted armies out there there's there's loads of people have expressed an interest in coming on but not that many of them with the painted stuff and i think titan death is going to tip that into the critical mass of having lots of people with painted stuff because there's they've got with all the different legios in there now it's so much scope for people to do it and of course people are jumping on the on the bandwagon and picking stuff and going forward i've actually started a second legio so my first one was loyalist but i'm now going to do legio vulpa and it was literally the paint scheme on page he says looking for it if you just bear with me for a second hold the line caller it was the <laughs> It was on page 56. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Oh, 56. Rule, I haven't got rules. my glasses on, Matt. That's my yeah, yeah. buy. Yeah, page 56. I looked at, took one look at that and the kind of like subtle marbling effect they've got in the red and thought, that's it. That's my traitor legio. And then I probably went out and bought one of the manipul boxes. Oh, it looks amazing. I mean, that, um, that it's almost like raw meat. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And plus, I started listening to Titan Death on audio, Audible as well. Of yeah, course, yeah. You know, they're all in that as well. Yeah, I read the book before. I've I've just bought the obviously the uh, the the audio book just came out. So mm. yeah, I was going to start reading. I bought the book at the weekend uh, along with Barry Dagger, but um, I think um, as I was saying to somebody the day I because I recently finished my PhD, um, it's like I don't I've, manual reading is such a pain in the rear end. So <laughs> anything where somebody's reading to me is much more preferable. Yeah, I can imagine. PhDs require a lot of reading. They do. And if I'd rather not have to do too much if I don't have to for the time being, I'm having a break. But yeah, that the paint job on page 56, boom, nailed it. Um, and I think that's going to be true for a lot of people. People who are thinking, oh, you know, it'd be nice to have Krytos rules or nice to have Furium rules. And they're all there now, all out there. So I'm, yeah. I'm expecting to be a, a tip over into that kind of critical mass of people with painted stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I went ignata myself, so I'm still waiting for my rules. Andy, come on. Yeah, come on, Hall. <laughs> I, well, they might, I don't know. I haven't read the uh, the Moloch book, to be honest. So I don't, I, I, you know, um, what is it? I can't remember what the book is in the Horus Heresy series now. It's about Moloch. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Yes. I, 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 I'm, spirit, I think. Uh, yeah, Ventral Spirit. I'm kind of hoping that uh, at some point we'll get a Schism of Mars mm. um, book. Yeah, because it was quite odd putting Tempestus in the rule book. I yeah, thought. I, I, the, the reasoning I think for that was that because they are loyalist and traitor, mm. it gave people a very easy in to be able to play both sides of a conflict, particularly yeah. if you're splitting a grandmaster box between you. Yeah, yeah uh, but I would have thought it would have been 
better in that sense to then have had three Legio traits, Mortis, Griffonicus, and Tempestus. Yeah, I, I suspect page count was probably the uh, the main driver on that one. I imagine there was quite a lot that Andy would have liked to include in the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably, probably. I mean, um, it was originally supposed to be a black book style, wasn't it? Oh, I don't uh, know. I don't know. That's that's interesting. I don't know that. I, I think I remember from back in um, sort of like speaking to James Hewitt year uh, a few years ago. You know, that originally it was going to be a black book, and then Resin Titans. I remember the Resin Titans because that <clears> that put the game back behind Necromunda um, by changing it over to plastic. Which yeah. I have to, I have to say, books. I'm eternally grateful for. Oh yeah, all the kits are so easy to build. You'd ha- you'd have to have some, you know. It's just they're so easy to build. Oh yeah, and they're and they're all they're all phenomenal. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, apparently Chris, you know, was tearing his hair out measuring measuring everything on the uh, the Warhound and the. Uh, yeah, the I, I don't I don't envy him doing the t- the two older Titans. The Warlord, I can imagine, was. Still painful to do all the kind of CAD conversion, but uh, far less so than taking a pair of calipers to a, a warhound in uh, in the Forge World Studios. Oh, that's why it's what they. That's why they work at Forge World, so we don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> but in terms of twenty-eight mil, I suppose that the good point is now they have CAD models if they want to redo those uh, yeah. and improve them, um, because of, you know they're not the easiest models to build. I'm told. No. Um... So my my good friend Ant got a Reaver for Christmas, and he reckons it's going to take him about three months to build. And he he's proper old school hardcore modeler. He knows what he's doing. So. Yeah, I I just bought a war war warhound, and I'm sort of uh, I'm putting it off till the summer. <laughs> I, honestly, I nearly gave myself an aneurysm building a Charybdis, so I don't think I'm going to be attempting a Titan anytime soon. I think I'd rather build a Titan. I've got to paint the blooming thing now well all i'm gonna say i've built two storm eagles oh that's Brave that man. honestly Brave that's man. not yeah that's the exercising that's like sas training course that is it is yeah yeah so uh yeah so okay so back to titan death because we have mm. a little bit of a tangent there um <laughs> yeah uh so yeah hard hard hardback format just like the core rule book I, I actually quite like this it's like a little variation on the black books red books you know the with the with mm. the blue yeah, it was, it was actually an interesting point that came out of one of the seminars of the weekender is that um, the black books will still form the core of the kind of heresy Forge World releases, um, but they, were, they are also looking to do more stuff like Titan Death to get content out there. So we may see some of the, perhaps not necessarily 30k, at least not immediately, but we may start to see other systems using the same kind of format as Titan Death as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, it's it's a it's a solid show as well, isn't it? Because you've got the right balance of content and fluff, I think. Um, I think they've done that really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because obviously now at this point they don't need to touch. They don't need to touch better Garmon in the uh, twenty-eight mil scale. No. Yeah, exactly. it's covered. Because I think uh, it was on Warhammer TV the one before the Weekender. I think he said they're about a third of the way through the Heresy now. But yeah, it won't, but it won't all was... be finished in black books. No, that was that was reiterated at the Weekender. Um, they've got about, as you say, about another. Um two-thirds to go, uh, but it will come out in different formats. Um, he, Tony was his usual cagey self about how many black books there will actually be, um, <laughs> which is unsurprising. But um, there'll be a few more at least, but it may not uh, may not go the full 
the full whack, as it were. Uh, I think Siege of Terror will obviously get one. I don't think they'll be able to get yeah. away without doing the, the Solar War yeah. In, yeah. in Black Book style, possibly as a trilogy like the Isfan ones at the start, be a nice little mirroring on either side of someone's bookshelf. Absolutely. I think but, once uh, you once you hit getting all the legions and main armies covered in the Black Books, um, it's then a lot easier to pick bits and bobs of the heresy up. Yeah, because I mean, the heresy was a very fragmented war, and like, Titan Death, I think, covers this quite well, is that um, it focuses on those small pockets, but it's spread across the entire system. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of a microcosm of the wider heresy. Like, it's, it's not, while it's a galaxy spanning war, there isn't really a front. You can't have a single thread of narrative. No. Um, no. Which is what I think makes the Black Books both an incredible feat and also quite challenging, because you've got to kind of weave these multiple threads together into a cohesive whole. Yeah, and that, that, I mean, it's the reality of, of war in, in, in a general sense, isn't it? It's actually, you might read about the Second World War, but actually the Second World War at an individual level might have been my the, my 10 foot of trench or my the cockpit of my plane or, you know. Exactly, yeah. The, you know, that's that's what war is at an individual level in front of you or, you know, from whatever scale of um, perspective that might be, be at the top of a Titan or, like say, in front of a through the sights of a las rifle mm. yeah so what, what did you guys think of the fluff in titan death then i really liked it myself yeah yeah same yeah it's it it builds nicely on the existing stuff we had little snippets of um, which andy in particular is very adept at as proven by the trial sack bit of fluff mm. from white dwarf 133 or 13 yeah. yeah um like it's a header that's it and the whole thing is spun off of that awesome um, and Titan Death is very similar. It kind of picks on the little bits of White Dwarf fluff, the little bits of book fluff we've seen over the last few years, particularly in the Horus Heresy narratives, and just kind of weaves it together into an actual story um, and kind of takes the next logical step in Titan Warfare storyline, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think my, my only personal comment would be, well, criticism, as it were, would be I wanted more of it. So, yeah. yeah. I suspect page count is... Uh... Yeah, I mean... I think when we get the future ones, if they perhaps don't have quite so many legios, so if we look at things like the Shadow War in Ultramar or the Schism of Mars, there aren't as many legios to cover on those conflicts as there is in Titan Death. Titan Death is literally about eight legions smashing each other to bits. Yeah, and of course, when some of got... those some of those will be present in other conflicts. So yes, exactly. You don't need to touch them. Exactly, same as things like the the Night Lords popping up in the next Black Book. They might get a couple of new units, but not getting a, a whole suite of of legion rules. And I think we'll probably see the same thing coming through. So when you get to things like um, Kalth and you get Presagius, there's only about three or four Titan Legions there, I think. So you've automatically got an extra 12 pages of content you can put into the fluff side of things. Yeah. Um, And then mirror that across onto Mars. You've got the three kind of solar Titan Legions. That's nine pages, maybe 10 or 12, depending on how many pages each one gets. But it opens up a lot more of the book to exactly that, to the the kind of development of the storyline of Titan Death and Titanicus as a whole. One thing I did like about it was the slightly different s- style for the map, because obviously oh, yeah. in forty k the maps are all very gothic, very um, you know, very ornate, and it's like this is a lot simpler. It's a lot. This is where this is. This is what it looks like. It's it's a very it's a simpler yet more straightforward style. Yeah, it's um, it it seems. I hesitate to use the word current, but it almost feels like it's not written as a future history in the same way the Black Books are. Mm-hmm. The Black Books feel very much like a, a single historian writing 
or the, the elusive AK um, that's labelled at the front of the book, it feels like his history of, of each of these events. Whereas the stuff in Titan Death in the rulebook feels a lot more like almost like a factual excerpt from a mission briefing or an after action report. Yeah. And I think I the maps reflect that as well. It's it's much more this is what happened in an objective sense, not a yeah. kind of fluffed out two hundred years later written by someone that heard third hand type thing. No. Yeah. I was gonna say it feels like to me like the Osprey books. You know, yes. yeah. Osprey yeah. campaign books. It's got that kind of feel to it. Yeah, like I, the whole I mission theaters and things like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do like those Osprey books, and yeah, I can see that now. Now that you mention it, <laughs> there you go. Played World War Two gaming for far too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, so there are. Uh, um, it, it's quite interesting because it does. It only really, in my opinion, having read it, it, it's only really more snapshots of the battle. There's not like a single overarching. This is what happened here. This is what happened here. No, and yeah. I think that's quite good because it gives you the opportunity to write that story. Yeah, yeah. You can write that story with your games. I mean, obviously, reading if you if you read the novels around it, like Titan Death, obviously, you get a lot more detail. Again, that's still only from a fixed perspective in a couple of cases. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It fits very well with the book as well. Mm. I, I love that it integrated so well with the book. Yeah, well, that's, that was the main reason for the release schedule of Titanic, uh, Titan Death, sorry, is that it had to come after the novel had come out so that yeah. details wouldn't get spoilt in the book by people reading the rules. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it, it's nice. And obviously, you've got your two main point of view Legios in there, the Deathstalkers and uh, Volpa. So, and it was Sol nice. That, oh, yeah, Sol Solaria. Deathstalkers and Solaria, Imperial Hunters. Uh, low Gothic to Imperial, to, you know, to High Gothic. <laughs> you know, sometimes it... <laughs> um, but yeah, it was nice to get two relatively obscure legions um, now have full, you know, fully formed fluff and background. And yeah, definitely. I mean, even more so, I think, than some of the established legions. If that makes sense, like particularly for Solari, they've got this really cool um, kind of sub element to them, where all their princeps are female and they're based on this kind of Artemis hunting mythology. Um, which gives them a real sense of character and depth, which differentiates them quite nicely from the others. Like, not only are they commanding these giant war machines, but they're literally trying to inhabit this mindset of being hunter goddesses and going for the kill and focusing on proper hunting tactics. I think that's a really nice little addition to kind of bulk out what we already know about some of these legions. Yeah, I think that for me, that's what makes the legios so much more characterful than, say, um, Space Marine Legions, for instance, in the sense that you've got quite a divergent set. If you think about the Space Marine Legions, they are essentially all very, very similar. They fight in a similar way. They've got their own flavor, their own preferences and stuff, but they can, they, they're can they largely you know, replicas of one another. Mm. But the Titan Legions, apart from the Titans, they're used in very different ways. They've got different mythologies, different backgrounds, different preferences, like Vulpa, so, you know, I have no idea who my um, moderati are as a princeps because I just accept that the best people will have got the job and I just expect them to do the job. I don't want to be their friends compared yeah. with, you know, like the Imperial hunters who've got very different mindset. So, you know, we're all family in effect. Mm. Um, and I think that that, that puts, as, obviously it doesn't affect the game on a day, you know, as you're playing, but if you think about how you get into the, how to get into it and what appeals to you about certain things, um, all of that—it's so much more rich, I think, than the kind of 
stuff you might get elsewhere in the in the kind of 30k universe and, and background mm. yeah loads of background brilliant um yeah so um right so what have we got here the the, the we've got the so we've done the description of the system okay so legio is getting special rules so we've got um the loyal legions got the warp runners who i was very upset to see didn't get to uh try you know teleport on the battlefield <laughs> i think every, everybody yet. was though yet yeah that's true uh nova guard uh firebrands and imperial hunters mm-hmm. yeah um i mean what, uh, and then traitors you've got legio mortis uh death heads everybody's so, favorite <laughs> everybody's favorite yeah um Kratos, the Godbreakers, who who just have the best Logothic name ever. Yeah, go John I mean, French, good man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Furion, the Tiger Eyes, and uh, Legio Volpa, uh, Deathstalker. So I think that's a nice mix. You've got some really old, you know, ones that are really well established enough fluff that people know about and really want, like Tiger Eyes and Mortis. And yeah. then you've got the a couple of newer ones like Kratos and Volpa and uh, Solari. I say newer, but you know. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of these Titan Legions are literally just a line on Lexicanum because they're in a book somewhere as a as a header. Um, yeah. So I think the scope to dig into them, much like with, with Necromunda and looking at the parallels of what was old and is now new, the, the amount of depth they can go to and also the amount of reimagining they can do on a lot of these things as well is huge. Um, I think it, it puts the game as a whole and also just the wider universe in an awesome place for, for future expansion. Um like there's still dozens of legions let, yet to go, and we've already got that level of diversity. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. And then um, uh, we got new mana pools as well. Um, was it four or five? Uh, four in Titan Death. Four in Titan yeah. Death, and then one in the uh, one in the um, one in White Dwarf. Yeah, one in White Dwarf. Yeah. I have so... to say, I have to say, I do love the Corsair one. Yeah, it's 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 very love tempting. Corsair. It does look quite dangerous. I'm slightly scared to face it at some point. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's. I think it's. It's any of the manipuls, all of the manipuls I've seen. I, I personally prefer Axiom when I'm playing because, like, much like yourselves, I always fail command checks. <laughs> always. Um, I find Axiom to be a lot more balanced. It's the baseline, isn't it? Like, yeah. As it goes, it's the. I hesitate to kind of parallel across, but it's the tactical squad of the Titan Legions. There's nothing uh, wrong with tactical squads. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with tactical squads. Oh, uh, <laughs> unless you're a spaceball player, in which case Grace Layers are yeah, Absolutely, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the Corsair, which is uh, Reavers only, uh, start with three, and then you've got an option of another two. Um, yeah, um, bonuses to sidestepping and backing up, um, which shouldn't be underestimated, um, particularly if you want to pop out from behind terrain sideways without using turns, things like that. It's, uh... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... It... Again, going back to that first fire order that you know new players are quite keen on, so easy. You forget how narrow those uh, kind of um, Car- the cor- carapace carapace corridors on warlords. They very do narrow. Not, they do not go far. No, no, very surprisingly easy to sidestep, move out of the way of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to playing a, a corsair, and I think I'm going to have to get another reaver to be able to play play it myself. Yeah, I th- think I might start with because um, I think I've got three reavers here for my traitors, so I might start off with a um, build my Legio Vulpa as a Corsair battle line, and of course it's it's quite nice as well. So I'm always I've always got to keep an eye on thinking. Um, 
can we you know how would it work on the channel if we're going to film it and it's it's quite would be quite different to what most other people would bring i think Mm -hmm. um then we've got the janissary which is a reaver and two warhounds uh with the option of one or each what one one more of each and that's sort of um more again it's something to do it is more to sort of cooperate with knights you know you get your paired movement so when you move your 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 your, your, your war you know your reaver or your warhound you can then activate knights yeah for the for the long beards amongst the listeners it's it's kind of similar to the eldar used to in epic yeah um, and you get that kind of chained reaction of of different movements which can quite easily put an opponent on the back foot and um, you kind of expect and work around the idea of a you go i go mechanic so when someone starts moving multiple units at once it does throw you yeah although i've i've played many of uh, many Eldar players in epic where it's like they burn their activations really quickly because they can yeah <laughs> and they go now you've got to wait while i do all of mine yeah yeah, yeah that's that's the risk is that you could end up over maneuvering yourself and then your opponent can react yeah accordingly yeah and then you've got the uh, Regia, uh, two Warlords and a Warhound, with the option of two more Warhounds. I like this one. It's sort of like a reverse um, uh, Mir Miradon. Yes. yes. Yeah, this one really yeah. excites me, and not just because they're painted as Furians in the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've only noticed in the book that and the Titan on the right-hand side, the black and the yellow flames are reversed, aren't they? Yeah, uh, on yeah, the shin really guards cool. and the shoulder pads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really cool. Yeah, but I, I do like it. It's a real. I think it's really thematic. I really like that. Yeah, yeah particularly having, for having a king and queen, and yeah, yeah it's, like, if you're playing with an element of role playing as well, if you've got those old legios that have that very kind of courtly style and feel almost like kind of kings and queens of old as the senior princeps, that fits beautifully um, mm -hmm. as as a narrative uh, narrative maniple to take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely my favourite of those maniple. Well. I know the next one is tempting, but uh, the next one is the Lupercal. But I'm sort of I, I play a loyalist legio, so I'm like, mm, should I use this? <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have quite the same ring to it. If you call it the uh, the Gulliman, does it? No, no, no. That, that'd suck the joy out of anything, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's sort of. I play Ultramarines, you know. <laughs> it's all right. We forgive you. Um, <laughs> mm. um, I'm a word bearer player, so I, I also have a word bearer's armor. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, uh, the Looper Carl Light. I, I kind of feel like it should be traitors only, but it's such a nice looking. Um, it is, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, looking at the rules for how it works, it would be an excellent addition if you took a, a minimum strength Looper Carl Maniple on the side of another Maniple. So if you had like a minimum strength Axiom and then a Looper Carl as well, and yeah, use that yeah, as kind of your, your interference running up the flank. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of running it um, as because it, it would just be so. Um, It'd be so interesting, and it is nice that it's a um, what you call it a uh, uh, Kratos as well because yeah, um, it's it's nice to see them. But it's the ability to sort of um, you know change your squadrons and stuff. Yeah, yeah on that, the fly it gives them so much more flexibility. On the fly yeah. squadrons, that, that is really powerful. I think. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a uh... and the plus two to to the armor as well suddenly your maximal strength plasma blast guns are at strength 12 effectively okay yeah cannons aren't they it, it turns them into bellico mini bellicosas basically yeah yeah definitely um i i think i'm gonna be running running this at some point i bought another pack of uh warhounds just so i could 
yeah, that's that's going to give somebody an aneurysm playing against that. It's, like, it's going to <laughs> well, be all I'm over one, them like a rash. I'm one reaver away from a Corsair and Lupica, which I might have to do next time I play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So, and then I haven't read much into the campaign rules that much. There's not that much to the to the campaign rules, really. But I think I think that's all to the good, though, because yeah. I, I don't know if you've tried playing like campaigns with 30k or anything. It's very easy to overcomplicate it. Yeah, definitely. These are these are a lot simpler. I mean, what I do like is that you can switch you can switch allegiances. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and equally, the I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for narrative progression and the like. Like Neverwinter Nights Two was one of my favorite games as a kid because you get to build your own yes. castle. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and it's it's really a really I I love this campaign system. Uh, it's not massive, but it's it's simple enough. I mean, I'd love for them to be more bonuses from the crew experiences, but yeah, um, it is perhaps a little bit light. But again, going back to Dan's point, it is quite minimalist. And when you've got the depth Titanicus has, when you start adding in additional rules, it can could get quite clunky. I think like the, yeah. the team have done a great job with the command terminals and getting as many rules on there as possible. Um, and we've seen some simplifications already, like knights being able to hit warlords in the head, which I know has been covered before elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is an element of, of abstraction already. I think if you try to apply too many layers of detail over the top of that to represent moderati number three in this arm of the warlord can do this now, I think mm-hmm. you probably bog down the game a bit too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's the thing is that you've got to get that balance right between because it, it's it's. It's a common misconception, I think, we, we, we can have that, that um, we're not abstracting anything, but clearly you abstract it. Everything's abstracted to a degree. Yeah. From, from the scale through to what the actual effects of a weapon, whether you could actually fire something like, um, you know, what a plasma explosion would be like if a, if a warlord exploded. It'd actually probably eliminate half the side of a planet. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't that get covered in Titan Death, where they say the, the megatonnage of the nuclear reactor required to run a volcano cannon and yeah. then someone someone did the physics on it and worked out it would basically wipe out the continental united states if one went up absolutely yeah so this like you know oh it's a 10 inch blast yeah i don't think it's a bit bigger than that i think so everything's an abstraction isn't it and i think what you do is you trade off abstraction for make it manageable and enjoyable mm-hmm. you know? yeah definitely but it is, it's a it's a it's a really simple nice campaign system i mean i'm not the biggest fan of map campaigns but um, for me, map map campaigns are great if you've got a, a GM. If someone's yeah. there to, yes. to run it, to yeah. run it as as a as a external person who doesn't mind taking the hit or not playing, or perhaps playing auxiliary forces. If you're playing 40k, for example, or no heresy, you've got maybe some militia that turn up. It's less easy to do with Titan Death, but if you've got someone that can run that as a full time thing, I think they really pay off as being. Yeah, they they can be a lot of fun, but the only one. the only issue I've had is when you know you say right, I want to attack this section. You've got to set up a game with that, that particular person who's who's sort of uh, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the only issue I've had with it. But I yeah, think you, you uh, need a certain level of gaming club regularity to make it work as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, we're quite fortunate where I play in that we've got a lot of players. Um, I guess you're similar, actually, Matt, because you're from quite a big gaming club, aren't you? Uh, I was originally, yeah. Um, well, I used, to, I was in Nottingham. Um, ah, okay. I, I did my masters in Nottingham and had the joy of working part time in the stores there. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I used to have no problems getting games. I'm now in Coventry, which is I don't know if you've ever been to Coventry. I can't recommend it. Um, <laughs> it it's desolate in every sense of the word. Oh, um, I've only been for Warhammer Fest. 
which is at the Rico, which is slightly outside of Coventry. So they didn't deign to put it in Coventry itself, which I can fully understand. Um, okay. But I actually started going across to, to board in Brum, uh, <clears throat> over in Birmingham, and playing uh, Alistair, um, who I think <gasps> you know quite well, Dan. Oh, yes, the Venusian. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> yes, him. Um, so I've played a few games Titanicus against him, um, but that seems to be my most regular regular gaming location now, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I, I think if you're going to do a campaign, I mean, it, it's true in any system that you play, isn't it? You need you need bodies and you need commitment. Yeah. And I think um, you're right, Matt, you were talking about saying having a GM to kind of like do the admin and keep it going. Is, I think it's key to it. I also think having a set end point is also good as well. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ra- rather than playing to win because then it can... Um, it can drag on and people lose interest. Right, it literally becomes yeah. a war of attrition at that point, doesn't it? It's like yeah, whoever, it whoever plays last wins. Yeah, he, he who gets bored loses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whereas if you're like, it's six weeks after six weeks, the, the you know, because obviously you get honor points in this campaign system. Yes, yeah. A bit different to, yeah, so that is, a, that's cool. So, yeah, fun campaign system and it will be nice to see it used. I mean, it could, you could even use it at events. I was going to say, I'd be interested to see if the event picks it up because I can see how it worked for that quite easily. Yeah, just like a two-day event, just running a whole campaign in the thing. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be quite cool. So yeah. yeah, that 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 would actually be really interesting to see because obviously normally when you do run an event, your your army is fresh each time. But when you get to that fifth game over a two-day tournament and your titans are limping, they're missing armor plates. It could be quite an interesting way of changing up rankings and who you'd normally expect to be quite far ahead in the tables it, yeah. it could actually hammer them quite heavily it gives you options to have a whole different way of uh ranking success i wouldn't say winning and losing because it's kind of that's a bit binary isn't it but if you think about rankings first you could have you could almost have like a victoria cross couldn't you for the the most heroic interventions yeah or yeah. you know like most, most tr- noble sacrifices yeah absolutely, absolutely. all yeah. of that kind of stuff and it opens all of that kind of stuff up and i think it's it's like for me i, I think that's why i like it so much is that um, there's not a much of an intellectual leap to go from that to thinking about very different ways of running events for this as a, as a system. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so then we've got a section on knights at Beta Garmon. So we've got the um, lists of loyalists and knights and traitor knights and their uh, legio allies, which is quite an interesting list. Yeah, this was a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I'm going to say, going back to that, all the questions you get, a lot of questions on AT18 were like... Oh, yeah, no, it's which, ha- which, which night house... Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yes, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've had to moderate more than a few of those, Matt. One or two. <laughs> so just if they published a bigger list than that, I think the world would be a happier place. But that's a pretty good set to start off with, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that is, the fact that it specifies at Beta Garmin, I think this is probably going to be a regular feature we see um across the campaign books as they come out um like loyalist night houses at calf for example yeah um but also it's the sort of thing you could quite easily put into a white dwarf article like going back to the the dominus um battle force manipul like if they did an expansion on that when titan death comes yeah. out or moloch thing kicks off you could have a more expansive list or cover one or two night houses specifically um, yeah yeah because obviously um that introduced the idea of vassal houses so they're totally subservient to the uh to the legio so yes yeah um and you've got what what, what do we had um uh house v and house cold shroud i think were the two they're the two that. covered in depth yeah and there's a couple others listed you've got podaxia for the furians uh, yeah who literally have an inverted furians color scheme 
uh, and Morbidia, who are there with me one second. Mortis. Mortis, Mortis. they're red and gold, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah Offer their freedom if they swear an oath to Horus. And then uh, uh, end up in a slavery <laughs> slavery <laughs> of a different kind. Joke's on you. Yeah, they, they've got a bit of an Angron theme to them there. It's like, oh, I'm a slave. I'm free, but you're not really, are you? Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the things I, I have loved most about Titan Death is, the, is their section, uh, Hostile Battlefields. Yeah, some of these are brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is it the Rad Waste one where your Void Shields basically disintegrate on a regular basis? Oh, yeah, yeah. That is... Uh... That is a, a really good one. I mean, that is just phenomenal. There we go. Hard, hard radiation, yeah. Reduce your void shield by one. Just It makes things like Warlords a lot more vulnerable, which I yeah. quite like. Uh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, playing against Alistair, I don't think I've actually dropped his Warlords void shields yet, which is slightly embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I mean, come on, Matt. You need to put your finger out there. It's, right, it's right. I solved this problem by putting my Warhounds an inch and a half away from his legs and then with one, <laughs> with one plasma blast gun took it from full health to the third critical. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, my personal favourite of these uh, hostile environments is actually the Haunted Wilderness, um, just for the Vox Ghosts. Yeah, that's really thematic. I like that. So it's like, uh, you know, you succeed and you roll, but you've got to re-roll it and see what you get. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you get a uh, random order. Yeah, 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 on a 9 yeah. or a 10, is it? 9 or a 10, making a command check, you gain a random order instead, um, which you then roll for. So, uh, as you say, you succeed on your order check, everything's going swimmingly, but it's actually not your Princeps and Eurus that sold you to do that. Yeah, you've misheard the order. Yeah, well, that, I mean, most, like, five times out of six, it's not really going to be an issue, like, because you can choose not to use your full stride and you can choose not to do X, Y, and Z. But if you get a shutdown order... Mm. On your warlord, <laughs> that's, that's just it. lined just up for a perfect shot. You're yeah. in trouble because it drops all your void shields to none. You can't um, automatically restart. You got to roll to restart. Like it, it could seriously mess up somebody's battle plan. Definitely, definitely. So that that was uh, that was Titan Death. So, I mean, what are your two thoughts on the book? Um, honestly, I, I'm loving all the t- AT stuff. Um, they've they've not i've not seen a duff release yet for it um, across the and i think titan death is i can only um encourage them to release more of stuff of that quality because i thought it was excellent definitely definitely this is a a good start for campaign books and they should go yeah. forward and do some yeah. nice stuff so can't can't agree enough um yeah absolutely knocks out of the park yeah yeah so Moloch. yeah so <laughs> you two so speaking of Moloch, you two were at the weekender so what yeah what, what would you say? Uh, how how did the weekend go for Adeptus Titanicus? Um, to be honest, uh, as I, I think I said earlier, um, I was really impressed with the, um, all the content that we're talking about, about the the way the release is scheduled, everything. It looked like Adeptus Titanicus is a properly well managed, professionally organised set of releases, really driving towards getting people into the game. I, I couldn't fault what they did. Um, yeah. It really was. I thought they they did a, a splendid job. The same for Necromunda as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's entirely fair. Um, the I think I, I actually got RSI pretty much doing the uh, the uploads for all the information from the AT <laughs> seminar. Yeah, uh, took took it upon myself with great foolishness and optimism to live stream the uh, the information coming from Andy's Hall, Andy Hall's mouth as he was saying it. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw I saw that coming through, and it was like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. This is great. 
yeah, my, my phone started smoking at one point. It wasn't ideal. Um, <laughs> but no, as, as Dan says, um, everything that they spoke about, so the upcoming Moloch books, the fact they're looking at, um, I think, was it two books a year they said they were targeting, Dan? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think um, it was two books a year. Yeah, we've got all the tiles coming out. Um, Delta and Gamma, uh, if not out already, they're on their way very soon. I know they were on early release at the weekender. Yeah, they Mr. Brain Sword is a set. Yeah, we've got scenery support, so the new Civitas Imperialis Spires, um, which bolt onto the modular towers. Yeah. Um, that was brought up, this terrain was brought up specifically in that seminar um, about what the community would like to see. Uh, Andy and Tony quite often do these raise your hands if you think this are good, um, which. Rumor has it is what led to the um, the shipping containers for 40k. Um, they, they were on a calf board at a weekender about four years ago. Yeah, and the, yeah. The that's... entire room put their hands up, and so we have plastic shipping containers. Um, so I think there is an element of what gets said at these things does get taken forward. Um, feedback is is always a gift. Um, so things like non-square building sections, being able to do hexagonal buildings more easily, might be coming out in the future potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as like scattered terrain and. Um, civilian type stuff as well just to populate those battlefields yeah i've seen loads of people repurpose uh, adeptus no not adeptus titanicus that's what the game we're talking about um aeronautica imperialis stuff yeah um aeronautica imperialis stuff we've seen some drop zone commander stuff as well um that gets yeah um so yeah everything that was said everything that was shown everything that was previewed hinted at leaked rumored all of the good stuff uh it all points towards a really healthy future for the game um and i'm hoping fingers crossed we get to see some more stuff at fest in all of three months time i can imagine we will do yeah yeah it wouldn't surprise me in the least yeah yeah so so what we did get out the weekend so we got the new building spur as you said the civitas imperial spires um and the new administratum sector which has got the, the you know the mixture of those um, they showed off Legio Furian transfer sheets. Uh, they they did. not only showed them off; they had them on sale. I have two of my two copies. Oh, they had them on sale. Oh, I didn't realize they were on yeah, sale. No, I, I have yeah, no, I have two. I have two copies, which most of the Legio Furians Facebook group want to kill me for. <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> the week after, I managed to buy three sets of Legio Vulpa transfers from Warhammer World Runners at Throne of Schools. Ah, nice. They were the only three he had in the in the shop. So, so everybody's listening to this waiting for them. I apologize. Yeah, um, apologize in advance probably should have mentioned it earlier but they, yeah they ordered what was it a year's worth they fought and they yeah. sold out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, yeah same with the uh, the terminals as well i think they'll probably get repackaged into some of the different maniples as well but um the ty- the terminals the uh, transfers all the stuff that went out of stock and everyone got understandably concerned about yeah i saw the panic in some form yeah Although, it happens all the time like whenever forge world takes something offline because they're changing it from bag to box yeah, being they have to oh, the code, so God, yeah, yeah. they have See to that. remove it entirely from the system to put it back on, which is why this goes from web store. It's yeah. it's not sky is falling, heresy is dead. Same right. thing. With this transfers are coming back. Um, the game isn't going away. It's not going to be a limited thing. The only thing Andy did say is that if the transfers do come back up, he recommends buying them quickly purely because they are popular, not because they won't come back, but because if you, you want might be them waiting. Urgent... exactly, yeah. If you if you want them urgently, buy them when you see them. Um, they're twelve pound a sheet. Um. Which isn't terrible. And they do quite no. a few Titans. Yeah, uh, they're actually, the, the new ones are, are broken down into the different classes as well. I think you get enough. Yeah, they to, are. Yeah, so you get enough to do a Warlord, a, at least one Reaver, two Warhounds, and a box of Knights at a minimum. Um, and that's if you go fairly transfer heavy. Yeah, it could be a bit more sparing with them and spread it out a bit, couldn't you? Exactly, yeah. Um, and if you're doing things like some of the Legions that have. Um, 
kind of hazard markings or the equivalent of in different colors you're probably not going to want to transfer over the top of that anyway so a lot of your flat surfaces are going to be painted instead of transferred so yeah you can make them go quite a long way yeah yeah Definitely. Um, yeah, and then uh, what else have we got there? So obviously the new campaign book, which we have mentioned, is Doom of Moloch. Mm-hmm. Uh, covers the events from Vengeful Spirit. Yeah. Um, um, as you say, uh, yeah, Vengeful Spirit, all the knights and uh, mass, mass night death and treachery. Yeah, and we've got... Um, we know which Legios are in that, apparently. Uh, I've got a list here. Um, we've got Legio Crucius, the Warmongers. Yep. Uh, Legio Fortis, the Dauntless. Um, yeah, and then um, the two traitor legions. Yeah, uh, Volca- Volcanium, the Dark Fire, Lords of Ruin. Yeah, these and... are an interesting one. Um, they, they're kind of split into two. It's the same Legio, but they, they split across two different forge veins. And they have this really... And he didn't give away much, but he said they have this really weird, almost like identical, t- identical twin... Um, siblingy sort of nature to them, and they have some very odd princeps who aren't necessarily entirely normal. Um, so I'm really looking forward to hearing more about them. They sound really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And then we've got um, Legio Interfector, the Murder Lords. They sound like baddies to me. You know, call me call me old fashioned, but I think they sound like baddies. Yeah, I don't think it's that hard to guess who are the who are the traitors and who are the loyalists. Yeah, the Lords of Ruin and the Murder Lords against Warmongers and Dauntless. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like I say I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't invite the murder lords round for dinner. I'm just. That's all I'm saying. They do sound somewhat like they should be on the Strama rather than a forge forge train, really, don't they? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, definitely. definitely. And then there's going to be detailed rules for um ha- for uh, uh, fielding whole forces of knights, including knight household special rules. Um, yeah, I think a lot a lot of people have been chatting about this. Um, the idea of taking an entire lance of of knights and taking on titans. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, the David and Goliath score story of Titanicus. Yeah, I mean, when we, when when Andy was sort of like asked about it at the open day, um, back in the summer just before it came out, he was sort of like, "Well, no, that's not what the game's about." And then obviously it's now, yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at the same time, um, they once said that they'd never do a warlord in 40k scale, and specialist games were never coming back, and all the rest of it. So. Um, never say never. I think is probably <laughs> the way to take a lot of the stuff that comes all out. These, all these things are true at any point in time, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it, at one point, a white dwarf said that Titanic was next month, and that was a year and eight months ago. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not go over the emotional scarring that caused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was hurtful. It was. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and then we got a, a pack of night stratagem cards. Um, Obviously, not much details on that. Um, we'll get them when they come out, right? <laughs> well, I'm assuming that that will be tied in with the release of Molex, Molex, I suppose. Yeah, I, I guess it will be, yeah. So. Yeah, and possibly even, I mean, it's pure speculation hat on, start mining the salt out, but um, maybe even seeing some of the resin upgrades, things like the missile pods for the Questorus, maybe some of the resin arms for the uh, Serastus as well. Yeah, that would be a good time to release those, wouldn't it? Yeah, if I if I could get a couple of quake cannons, my life would be complete. <laughs> the um, I can't imagine they're far away. They were showing off in the resin at the weekend, so it's yeah, four, so four I... month four month release window. Yeah, probably the talking... public the point of public showing. So probably about May then. Yeah, so they had the yeah, so they had the the Mori quake cannon and the macro gatling cannon. That's the, the one mac- that gets me. 
Yeah, the macro Gatlin cannon looks beautiful. It does. Yeah. It does. And then obviously they're doing them in 28 mil as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're being a... carried, carried across into the, the big warlord as well. That's a lot yeah. of resin, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. And then we also saw renders, some renders. So we had the paired Gatling blasters for the Warlord Titan. Yeah, you can um, do an entire Warlord of Gatling Death, which looks amazing. Yeah, and the Carapace Vulcan Megabolter and Warp Missile Rack for the Reaver Titan. Yes, yeah. A lot of people started converting the missiles for the Reaver in particular. Um, the, I want to say the Hunter Killer Missile from the old Imperial Guard vehicle sprue fits quite nicely in the scale. It does. Yeah, it's I've quite seen it. it's a big old missile, isn't it? It's good. Yeah. The, the right. Um, Right the, as well. Yeah, what the really cool thing about that one though, um, when they were doing the warp missile, the uh, I, I can't remember, is it Chris that did the designs of the plastic titans? Yeah, Chris. Yeah. Chris uh, mocked up something like twelve different missiles, uh, and there's only rules for about three in the book at the moment: uh, the melter, which was one of the old ones, the void, and the warp. Mm. That doesn't mean they won't use some of those sculpts later with new rules to do new missile types. So we may see some of those other missiles coming out as well. Well, they, uh, they always say cool. they're a company that produces models, uh, rules for models, not models for rules. Yeah, that, that's literally how their design process works. Um, yeah. They'll go, go to the rules writers and go, I made a thing! And they go, <laughs> great, I've got to write something for this now. Check this um, out. What are you doing with that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, the... it's definitely something you hear if you listen to the, the, the Age of Sigma or the 40k podcast that the Games Workshop do. It's like, yeah. That, that's exactly how they do it. Yeah. Um, and the missile's removal as well as a one-shot yes. weapon. So you can take it off the time once it's fired. What size magnets are you using with that, though? Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> I will find you, Dan. <laughs> Sorry. It was like an open goal. I couldn't help. I couldn't help myself. Dear Lord. <laughs> yeah. There was a brilliant one from one of our... Um, members earlier saying what size magnets and then had to make a addendum of please listen to the post it's not what you think it is <laughs> so, oh, think, it's five by one n42 minimum strength that yeah. does the warlord and we'll do the other titans if you try yeah yeah doesn't need much effort no i just cut the ball joints on my warlords and sorry warhounds and reavers in half yeah that seems to be the common way or putting yeah. a ball bearing up into the socket one of the two yeah they'll both work before I start twitching, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of emotional scarring around Matt. I do apologise for opening that wound. It's it's okay. I'll forgive you. Okay. Yeah. So um. Anyway. So so that about covers the weekender. So um. Yeah. So um. What we'll talk about now quickly. Well, not quickly, but cover some depth. I think as much as you want to, Dan. Um. Talk about the thirty uh, k channel and the stuff you're doing on there. And before you do start, I will say that some of the, the the graphics works that's going on there absolutely yeah we so uh, so um we were talking about this before we, we we came on air but um at the the heart of the ethos of the 30k channel is quality and uh, i hope we, we i hope if you're watching the, the content you um you think it's high quality stuff because that's what we're aiming for so we're always trying to push that envelope um so our starting point is getting people on with you know really well painted armies uh well, you great, say really well painted but you let me on well hey do you know david is the harshest critic of people's painting that i've i've ever encountered so if he let you on he must have thought it was all right <laughs> so if, if you pass the david brains test you must have a decent painted army that's all i'll say so uh, maybe you're not as bad as you think you are michael yeah um so but we do try and drive the quality and one of the things we've done recently is we've got a really great bloke called boris uh he's come on he's a 
um, in his day job, he actually produces video. So he knows what he's doing. He knows about editing. And we're really, he's working with me quite closely on the Adeptus Titanic and stuff. And he's really helping to drive those, uh, that production value up. So if you've watched on the later games, we're doing some quite, um, some different stuff, obviously with the cards, because the, the t command t consoles are so integral to playing Adeptus Titanicus. And uh, we've started to introduce a lot more things like animation. And it, it's got this really that cool kind of engine kill thing that goes over it now when we do it. We did think about having war horns and stuff like that, but um, we haven't quite got that far. Uh, the key thing for us, of course, is we can only do it with uh, people out there that play the game. Um, and if you've got a, a well-painted Adeptus Titanicus Legio and a friend, indeed, who's got a well-painted Legio um, as well, and you want to come on and play, we'd love to hear from you. So um, I was talking, Michael and I were talking earlier, I, you know, Quite happy to have a look at your stuff, Michael. If you want to come on and play, similarly for you, Matt. I know that. Um, I think we. I think I might have asked you to come on already. Um, possibly, it might have been buried in the Facebook messages somewhere. I know we. Yeah. I know we've spoken before about the Titanica stuff. So I'll yeah, make but sure we I should totally stuff. get you on. Should totally get you on. Bring yeah, on Alistair. Yeah, I'll get finished. Yeah, oh, I'll I play, I play him enough. Can I play someone else? Someone that doesn't yeah, bring, a, bring, bring a Myrmidon every time. You know. Any, <laughs> anyone you want. If you've got a mate who plays, that's great. I mean, for, for anybody listening to this who want, does want to come on, there's a number of ways of contacting us. You can contact me on Facebook directly with a direct message. Um, you just search for Dan Porter, add me as a friend, and direct message my face off. Or you can email us um, at 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 the 30 channel dot com i'll um if michael if you don't mind um i'll ping you over the details or if you wrote that yeah down, yeah I'll, if you I'll, don't mind pinging it, that up yeah i'll put it in the show notes yeah That'd absolutely. Be great. i'll, I'll put it into the channel as well because oh, um, it's on vimo so it, you know they put some games on you on youtube we do um, we have a, a bit of a rolling program and um, we have um, we have five releases a month at the moment we're looking to increase that we're looking to increase the amount of content and there'll be some more stuff going on youtube as well um some more free content but we're going to have so that at the moment there's four 30k games and one at game we do about one at game a month um and like i said we've got about four or five games booked at the moment but we're really keen to get more people on show some more stuff and like i said earlier i think with the advent of titan death um i think we might see that tipping over into that kind of critical mass of people that want to come on and play. Yeah, definitely. As I say, it's a small number of models. Now you've got 10 different Titan Legions to pick from with full yeah. color plates and things like that. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Good for it. Yeah, we're also keen to get your, if you want to play uh, narrative games or, you know, one of the narrative missions, we'd love to hear from people who can make suggestions around that, especially if you've got the, you know, the correct painted Legions to do that kind of thing as well. And do yeah, some kind yeah. of historical gaming he says doing air quotes there's a really work <laughs> in audio format yeah i do i do love it when people go uh, when you know when people are like we play a historical game and it's like we do yeah it's bizarre a sci-fi uh, historical game yeah yeah a historical fame 30 you know twenty-eight thousand years in the future but yes yeah. future history future history well that sounds weird doesn't it <laughs> yeah but yeah but um you know it was a it was a great opportunity when david offered me the opportunity to come on and, and do the adeptus titanicus stuff um uh and i love doing it basically so and we'd love to have more people on so if you're out there and you're listening and you're interested get in touch yeah i'll definitely be uh, uh at some point submitting my uh my request it's just come on, sorted, Michael. 
I will, yeah, I will, I will, I will. I've just got to sort out getting down there because it's a long way and I don't drive, so I'll have to, oh. to get the, the wife to drive me. It is a bit of a trek, I freely admit, if you're at the wrong end of the country, I suppose. Wrong well, end I mean, in that sense. We, me and Graham did the uh, the whole there and back again in a day um, last year, so. Yeah, we, ha- we have had people on to play 30k from Cologne. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen the, you know, the, I think there's been a, has there been an American on as well? We have, although that he was stealth American because I think he was actually based at a, a, like Lackenheath or something like that. <laughs> one of the one of the kind of like East Anglian um, Air Force bases where he was stationed. So yeah, he didn't actually turn up from uh, Texas or wherever it was he came from. Ah, fair enough. I used to live yeah. near Lackenheath, so yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know. Uh, happy to have anybody on. We can't offer you accommodation, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, we can we can sort you out and, and get you on, make your internet famous for a bit. Yeah, uh, you get lunch though. You do get lunch. Yes, we'll sort you out with lunch. Yeah. So it's, 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 there's all sorts of pluses to coming on and doing it. And the, the the thing I often say is as well is it's a real motivator for people to finish painting stuff if they kind of like owing an Ario halfway through a project. Um, yeah, I definitely wasn't painting the bases for my foul uh, Iron Warriors the night before coming on the 30k channel. That, I, didn't, I, I, did, I didn't have two hours sleep and then come down to play a game. That didn't happen. It's all yeah, fine, Matt. It's I, all I, fine. I, I finished a unit of breaches. It was great because it was sort of like, well, I really want to do this list because I think it will be cool. And then it's like, yeah, but I don't have them painted. So I submitted the list to Dave and he was like, yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I've got to do it now. Yeah, so it's a, it's a great motivator. Nothing like a deadline to focus your mind, I find. Exactly. Definitely, definitely. So, um, and then how, how much is it again a month for subscription? Is it five ninety five dollars ninety nine? It's about $6, yeah, so five ninety nine dollars I don't know what that translates to into cash money, you know, it's sort of like um, into groats. <laughs> but yeah, it's about $6, yeah. And you get, there's about 85, 86 uh, games on there already. We're adding five a month. And yeah. Yeah, so there we are. Because it, it's not just it's not just Titanicus. So you got your no. normal Age of Darkness games as well. Yeah, you got thirty k. You can. It, it's quite interesting. I, I think there's an archaeological or historical element to it now, because obviously we've played through quite a few versions and FAQs. So if you go right back to the first game, you'll see sort of like the original version of the Sons of Horus in there as well, which is always quite entertaining. You go, oh yeah, I remember when they used to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what one thing I love about it is is the terrain. And to see how that's evolved as well, because yeah. David's first terrain, you know, it was it was all right, it was great, but what compared to what he's using now? Yeah, it, it's like a it's like a savant now. I, I don't really, it's almost magical. Um, David also is producing some um, build um, ter- sorry board build videos, so it takes through the various steps. Um, and do you yeah, know what? That would be helpful because I played yeah. on those boards and they are they are brilliant. They are. I, um, I think the, the key difference is, is his use of uh, material. So it's not kind of, um, he, he's got quite a, an eye for this kind of thing. So he'll look at something and think, you know, that you see in a different context and think, I could use that on a board for Adeptus mm, Titanic definitely. 30K. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, the, um, the board we played on was phenomenal. Um, yeah, so, uh, right. So I think... That's probably about all the time we got for. My wife has just walked in the room. She's huffy. I think she wants her tea. Huffy, <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm being told off now for Thursday. <laughs> She's you just, not huffy. She's it's not all right. huffy. Is she hangry? Be... Possibly. <laughs> Possibly hangry. Yeah, yeah. 
uh okay that's fantastic all right so um well thank you for joining me dan thank you for joining me matt um uh, obviously matt you are an admin on um adeptus titanicus 2018 we'll put a link to that as well because it is probably the best group for titanicus on facebook oh thank you very much I think it's the only one, isn't it? But I mean, uh, it's by definition. It's the, the, well, there, there are a few other other groups. Well, the the old epic one as well. Um, oh, it's the only one I'm in. So there we go. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. one, that's, my, that's the seal of approval I need, Dan. <laughs> okay, excellent. I was in a couple, but I've I have since left them because they were just not fun. Yeah, I'm probably talking about how what size magnets to put on your. <laughs> <laughs> You sure you want me to come on the 30k channel, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. <laughs> How many you. times are you going to mention magnets in it? I'm never going to mention them again. It's you know, I, I, I can't help it. It's you know, <laughs> work with me here. I, you know, I'm trying my best. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cheers. All right. Brilliant. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you very and, much, Michael. Um, yeah. Speak to you later. All right. Thank you very much. See ya.